Welcome to Design This Beyond the Dye Line. I'm Mikey Moon, and I'm here with my guest, Miriam Saeed. Say hi, Miriam. Hi. So Miriam is uh, my guest, and she founded a female-founded uh, BIPOC-owned online shop creating premium paraphernalia for the aesthetically high-minded consumer. Can you tell us a little bit more about Para? Sure. Um, so like you said, Para is an online shop that has um, that specializes in paraphernalia. So um, pipes, um, bongs, grinders, rolling papers. Um, and it's, it's not just your basic historically seen um, sort of paraphernalia. It's really well thought out, design forward, um, good quality, artist made, limited edition. A lot of times, um, you know, uh, like smoke shops. So I worked in, you know, I have a history of working in fashion and specifically like department stores where, you know, I've worked in an environment with designers that make the best of the best. And I was, you know, sort of looking for the same experience. You know, I just wanted one, one place to go to, to see, you know, an assortment of the best grinders an assortment of the best pipes. And, you know, there were so many brands out there, but just, you know, much to my surprise, there weren't many, you know, one-stop shops out there that, you know, had a, had curated collections. So, you know, I thought it was like, what's what's a better time to start? And uh, that's where Hera came to be. So not so not to name drop too much, but I'm a name drop for you. So you worked with Sanford Avenue, Blooming, uh-huh. Ralph Lauren. Uh-huh. Like these are some uh-huh. big names in luxury. Yeah, I what, did. What, and what, I, what are some of those key aspects that you picked up on that you've successfully translated into into the cannabis products that you offer? Um, honestly, the marriage of art and business and how really to have a successful business, one can't survive without the other. And I've seen it go, you know, I've seen businesses succeed and fail, like based on how they're able to adapt specifically working at Saks. And I have to say, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate for my career. I, you know, I felt like I sort of got lucky in the beginning and then just sort of continued to work and, you know, stayed there. But, you know, at Saks, having exposure to, you know, hundreds and hundreds of brands, you see artistically amazing brands that just don't perform well just because they don't have the business savvy to, you know, to make their art as, you know, as visible as possible. Whereas you see, you know, not mediocre, but maybe less talented or less artsy brands that really explode because there is not business savvy behind them. And, you know, being a merchant at Saks, you sort of, you, the most successful buyers at Saks, which is what I did for the majority of my time there, are the ones that really not only have a good eye for fashion, but also have a very strong business acumen and can, you know, utilize each skill set whenever needed to just make their business explode. So mm. in terms of skills, I feel very fortunate to, to have seen that and learned a lot of lessons and uh, definitely using the same for Para. Yeah. And, and you can see it as soon as you go to the Para website. Um, I was, I was pretty blown away personally. So like, it wasn't Thank the, you. <laughs> the, design, the brand that you were able to put together, premiumizing even the name. Um, down to Thank the you so much. Website, down to the curation of the products. Like as soon as, as soon as you open it up and you take one look at, I mean, just look at the bong. Like that was like <laughs> that was the first thing. Showstopper, am I right? Like, yeah, I was like, "What is?" I know what it is, but just the presentation of it is just so much more premium and so nice and modern. Yeah. And like, wow. Like, uh, thank you, you thank you, you so much. Throughout your products that you're curating, like it's it's through and through. 
Yeah. So that's definitely the number one priority that I had. Um, aside, you know, having not rebranding smoke shops in general, but, you know, can as cannabis, the industry as a whole expands that so does the client base. And I feel, you know, I didn't start smoking, you know, weed until I was in my early thirties and I wasn't, um, you know, I've, I've smoked weed before, but it definitely wasn't intentional, sort of like in a party kind of way. And it wasn't really till the pandemic that I, you know, that I started relying on weed for, you know, to relieve my, my anxiety, you know, being the fashion girl that I am, I was like, well, if I'm going to be smoking weed, it better be like the best type. And, you know, living in New York, I just sort of assumed that there was going to be the Saks Avenue of weed accessories. And I was like, how does that mm. not exist? And I was like, and I was like, I was like, I, as much as I love my corner bodega, like, I feel like there can be more options than this. So, you know, I started doing a lot of research online and then I sort of went down the rabbit hole of learning about like the quality and how like what you smoke out of significantly impacts like your, your high and your health. Um, and, you know, and as cannabis is becoming more and more acceptable, you know, people don't want to hide, you know, their paraphernalia anymore. So mm -hmm. a lot of designers are, you know, using paraphernalia as like an outlet for, for their creation. So they're like, how can we make discreet paraphernalia that people, you know, don't want to hide under their bed when somebody comes over? Like yeah, it can sit. Yeah. And it just sits like as a pretty piece of decor, a conversation starter, you know, in your home. And as people are spending, you know, like people have been spending more time at home and, you know, investing into their homes, they're definitely, you know, upping, you know, their ritual vibes. <laughs> so, and with that comes the accessories. So I was like, I'm sure I'm not the only one out there. So I wanted to bring the best of the best. And yeah, thank you so much for noticing that. No, no, I love it. I love it. So <laughs> take us back, take us back to those early days. Um, you know, stopping at the corner bodega and like from where you were then to where you are now, like what were okay. the biggest challenges? So I, uh, to be honest, like I sort of just depended on my boyfriend at the time for any time I wanted to smoke weed. He sort he like, not only did he have yeah, the plug, but he had, he had the pipe, he had the grinder and sort of was just like, I need a joint. A joint was there. And I, mm -hmm. to be honest, I didn't really, you know, think about like the pipe or this, um, or the papers and I definitely didn't know how to roll a joint I didn't know the difference between like rice or vegetable or like the different gums and, and I honestly didn't care until you know one day I was you know at my apartment I was like I wanted my own stash I was like wait mm. I was like well, I want my own pipe and I want my own you know grinder and you know, my own rolling tray and mm. such and I was googling like that near me and i could only see bodegas and i was like oh yeah i guess they do have pipes so let me let me go check them out and it was the most intimidating environment that i've ever been in and i'm not that easily intimidated like i do work in fashion but mm -hmm. it's a different vibe when you go to the bodega because you're sort of expected to know everything you're sort of like 30 seconds in and out you go point at something the guy gives it to you or you walk out um yeah so i was like all right i'm gonna go do that so i did and i got a one hitter that like immediately burned my finger and like half my face. I was like, all right. So like, maybe I'm doing something wrong. So I just showed it to my boyfriend. I was like, am I smoking out of this, like out of this wrong? He's like, no, this is just the cheapest glass like you, I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, oh, I didn't really like think about that. So then I started okay. looking into glass. So yeah, so that was sort of my, you know, my first introduction into buying my own paraphernalia. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to buy it like online discreetly. And I was very intimidated. I was like, there aren't that many like shops. Like, of course, there's, yeah. you know, the big names out there that have literally everything, which is awesome. If you're a veteran, you know what, you, what exactly what you're looking for. But 
you know, if you're looking, you know, to up your game or you're just like exploring or if you want to buy a gift, mm-hmm. that's not, at least at the time, it wasn't like super visible to me. So I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to make it. So yeah, I started. That's how, <laughs> yo, that's how innovation is born. Like it comes from a bad experience, something that like left you wanting and then you designed to fill the gap. Yeah, for sure. And I felt something completely new. And I'm sure there's millions of other people just like you having those same (laughs) bad experiences. But how many are bold enough to create a solution? Oh, for yeah, for sure. And I yeah, it was definitely I feel very lucky. And it was definitely a perfect, you know, time, not only professionally, because, um, you know, just like I feel like the cannabis industry is, you know, just as at the cusp of like exploding. So like from a business perspective, like I feel confident in the future and I'm feeling optimistic, you know, I feel like the harder I continue working, the, you know, the bigger the business will get, but mm-hmm. really uh, just as big or if not an even bigger mo- motivation is that I had worked in fashion for over a decade and it was during the pandemic that, you know, became real. And I was sort of questioning like how long do I want to stay in this industry? Like, like I said, I'm super grateful for my, for my career, but 10 years in, I I was starting to feel like there might be something more, you know, else out there. I wanted to contribute like more to the world. If not, I wanted to be more passionate about what I was doing. So it was sort of the marriage of like both sort of a business opportunity plus the professional, you know, Mm. retirement of my corporate days. Yeah. I was like, there's no true entrepreneurial story. Like, yeah, and I was like, we were all working from home at the time. So I was like, there's no better time for start building a website. Like, because if we were at the office, I would not be able to do that. So, yeah. you know, the second I launched Para, retired from my corporate life, I was like, here we go. Absolutely. But it was only a matter of time. Like, it feels like you already had that ambition. It was burning inside of you. You just needed like, oh. that, that moment of opportunity. Oh, 100%. And like, I'm so, so grateful to think of it because I am like not one of those people who can just like go to work like just for the paycheck. Like I wish money was like my only motivation. I feel like sometimes that can just be so easy. (laughs) But like, I am not... Yeah, I feel like life would be so, you're right. I like, uh, I'm just like, I, what do you like money? Like that can be done. I, I do live. Exactly. Fulfillment is so much more important. It's yeah. Like, and that's exactly what I was like trying to think of, like what I was thinking when I was like ruminating on the idea of leaving fashion. I was like, I am at the position where I wanted to be, but like, why am I not feeling super psyched about it? It was really down to fulfillment. So yeah, you get it. We're on the same page. <laughs> no, definitely. definitely. So, so you had that experience, you built this business. So what's, what's the future hold? What's the impact that you really want to have on the community and on the industry? So this is how I was (laughs) explaining it to my friends and like early PR people that, you know, I was talking to Mm -hmm. and I told them, you know, this is probably not going to be the most perfect way to phrase it, but I told them, you know how historically a lot of big box companies um, like, you know, Amazon, Walmart, such like are not thought of as the most of like ethical companies. They're not like necessarily good for their employees or the environment, et cetera. I was like, I want Kara to be thought of as the exact opposite of that, whatever that may be. I want them to be, I want Para to be associated with goodness and good ethics um, down to every point like that, you know, that's in the business from the products to the charities we support to you know, the influencers we work with to, you know, the type of materials we outsource. So, you know, at first it was something so small um, and it was, you know, green shipping. I want from day one, I wanted to make sure that I only use like recycled materials and I only work with, 
you know, ethically, that companies that source materials ethically, yes, it was most costly, but it was definitely the number one thing I wanted to prioritize. Um, along that, I definitely wanted to give back to the cannabis community. Like one thing that people, a lot of people actually don't know, unless you work in the industry, it's something that's so quick to forget about is that like, the amount of people who are still like imprisoned by or uh, their lives yeah. are still negatively affected even years after imprisonment from cannabis related charges. And they are doing the same exact, if not less than what I'm doing and what my peers are doing. And, exactly. you know, we can only, we can cross our fingers, vote, wish and pray for the government to, you know, do the right thing. But in the meantime, there's so many wonderful organiza organizations out there that support these people. And I really think it's every per every business owner's obligation and duty to like help those organizations. It just, mm -hmm. you know, it just doesn't feel right profiting off something that the same exact person is sitting in prison for. So yeah, that's, exactly. you know, that was definitely like step two of, of us like giving back. And then you know, I don't do collaborate with local artists, local shops, you know, everything that gives back to the community is definitely planned for in, in our business plan. Yeah. Yeah. And some of that is, is about changing the perception, right? Because I mean, one of the biggest things, even after, you know, we talk about this a lot. So like, even after convicts get out of jail for whatever they were doing, they still have to deal with mm -hmm. society and society's perception of what it is to be a convicted felon, right? And I, you can uh, almost compare that to society's perception of cannabis in general. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I cannot tell you, you know, working in, in fashion, it's, you know, especially working with a lot of French brands and Italian brands, like how so acceptable it was to be like absolutely hammered on wine just because an expensive mm -hmm. bottle of red wine. But, you know, if I were to step out for, you know, for half a joint or something, it would be so scandalous. And a lot of that really has to do with, and really I was thought of as sort of like, you know, the bad girl, because I, I was very vocal about like how much I didn't love drinking, which, which was true. Like I, I don't enjoy drinking that much, but I do smoke weed. So Mm -hmm. I was there was like oh that's so bad of you and I was like is it I feel like I'm like much healthier than you are like so I <laughs> so I didn't really like understand I was like at the end of the day like I can walk myself home and you're the one who's like stumbling out of a cab so like yeah. so there was definitely like, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> I know but like at the end of the day they're like are you okay I was like are you okay but it was yeah there is definitely like a perception that if you if you partake in weed that you are not successful or you're not a put together person. So there is that, let alone being, you know, imprisoned for a cannabis related crime or imprisoned at all. So yeah, definitely. It's, it's so hard for people to, you know, live through that and definitely rebuild their lives after that. So definitely, I think I'm, you know, I'm proud that like we, um, you know, started working with organizations like right off the bat and, I'm so proud of like people in the community. I feel like all of my vendors have independently like supported charities. And I feel like there's just this collective goodness that we want to help out, which sort of is a refreshing change of pace from, from the fashion industry, I will say. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would have to agree. So talking about, yeah. the, talking about the premiumization of the perception of cannabis, right? So there's a story mm -hmm. in Green Entrepreneur about similarities between luxury cannabis um, brands. And they wrote, today we have mega fashion houses like LVMH, which picked up Donna Karen, Christian Dior, and Tiffany's. And today 
Gucci is owned by French luxury group Keurig, and they have brands like Balenciaga, Yves Saint Laurent, the list goes on. So do you think that cannabis is going to mimic the same business model as luxury brands and um, have consolidations and IPOs? Oh, absolutely. I do. Um, and I think it's going to be not even necessarily just in the accessories aspect of it. Like I think also like in the flower aspect of it, like those, mm. I think are going to be, you know, you know, in terms of generating volume, I think it's going to be like the real heavy hitters are going to be those right who deal directly with the flower, um, as opposed to accessories with the like ancillary designs. But I have no doubt that there will be like some model of that um in cannabis like i think it will take many 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 years because yeah, i design. like yeah because like i said like at the end of the day we do live in a capitalist society and at the end of the day if there's like a business opportunity people will capitalize on it and ultimately will cause some sort of like structure but i don't think it's going to happen for a, a long long time i think it's i think cannabis is still very very new and i think mm -hmm. it's still um very like community based very very it's still a niche very small niche um whereas fashion like isn't so i yes from a business perspective sure, definitely i do think it will have um a big of a name same as like the alcohol brands like everybody knows like budweiser corona and all that like i think it's going to be the same for weed brands we just don't know what those are yet yeah um yeah but I, I don't think it will happen for a while um yeah hopefully i'll be retired by then <laughs> yeah exactly you're, you're, you're early you're early if not, exactly like, i'm early and i feel like i'm one of the first in new york and i feel like mm -hmm. The East Coast, especially, like, is still in its yeah. infancy. Like, like New York City doesn't even have recreational dispensaries yet. So, I can't wait till till the day comes when, you know, when you can just walk into a dispensary and like buy, you know, and just buy weed. So, yeah. I think the market will only expand from there. Um, so, yeah, I just I want to have like my my footprint in the city. And I'm, I feel I feel very grateful, honestly, that like I kind of stumbled upon this, but at the right time. So, yeah, while I'm here, I'm trying to make a presence. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're doing an amazing job. From Thank you. <laughs> Do you see any challenges being premium in space right now? um margin it's hard to be it's actually very hard to be profitable so like one thing i don't know if like a common consumer would know um in the luxury business your margin is actually very very small whereas like in fast fashion you can make significantly more money with the same amount of units but um i would say actually being profitable is very hard because the you know when you because buying the the items themselves do like does cost money and because a lot of the items are handmade they're not cheap um and then shipping is a huge part of it and you know shipping costs because we want to make sure the items get there safely um and then there's also like banking fees like i'm sure you know being in the cannabis space you know you know weed being not federally legal there are so many restrictions on like bankings uh banks and small um entrepreneurs like myself face very very steep bank charges and penalties for just being in in the cannabis space so the biggest challenge i would say i know it's a very you know broad statement but just making money you know being actually profitable you know you could make a lot of sales but that doesn't necessarily equate to 
having a sustainable business. So, you know, the next, the next challenge is, um, of course, is growing the brand, but not only growing it in, in volume, but making sure that we are, you know, somehow like sustaining um, profitability so we can continue doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, there's a- go ahead. And like social media restrictions too, I would say is, the, is yeah, another yeah. huge hurdle. Um, and it's be- and it's only becoming harder. And, you know, people, you know, a lot of businesses are already now like, always complaining about like Instagram's algorithm being changing um, and making it harder for, you know, content creators and small businesses to be discovered, which is true. It's also so much harder for cannabis businesses because yeah. shadow banning is real. Like you mm-hmm. could put on amazing content that your audience definitely wants to see. But if Instagram sees that it's like it says hashtag 420, like they're not going to okay. put you <laughs> Exactly. But if you don't put hashtag 420, you might not be discovered. So, so there's always this like, you know, back and forth, like what to do in terms of strategy. And, Mm -hmm. and that's difficult. And then um, TikTok doesn't even allow any sort of cannabis related content on there. And, Mm -hmm. and everybody and every small business is being told to be on TikTok. So you're sort of what I'm not allowed to be like, I want to, but I'm sort of not allowed to. So yeah, yeah I, I would say those are two pretty big challenges mm. for us little guys. <laughs> so we talk about all the hurdles and the challenges associated with the space. Um, and I'm thinking about all the designers that have experience in these luxury brands that could help move the premiumization of cannabis forward. Like what's the, um, what is it that that's exciting about being a part of that movement or being a part of that space with that kind of experience coming into cannabis? <laughs> Um, because I think, you know, like you have a say, um, in like molding, like the foundation of the industry, I think, you know, like I said, that the industry is so small, like it's so young and especially in New York, it's so, so young, um, like compared to California and definitely like compared to Canada, which is like a lot of where I carry my vendors from, but I would say the most exciting part is sort of just like molding, you know, the next, the next steps. Um, I feel like a lot of brands have been, you know, sort of quote unquote discovered through para. And I am so like that bong um, you mentioned about my, that was in the homepage, you know, that is another small brand from Philadelphia that, you know, a lot of people in New York have discovered like through me. And I'm, I'm sure like people in Philadelphia have discovered me through them. So there is like, this mutual like growth and you know there's something very exciting to like an early stage relationship between like a vendor and you know and like a multi-vendor store like para um Mm -hmm. because you you know because you're still so small and you're still trying to figure things out together and you know it's much more collaborative and exciting um and you know, and I think there's something to be like said to that when you're still like, don't have so many eyes on you still that you're, Mm -hmm. you know, have some sort of like creative freedom to experiment and not be like, you know, so scared to send it out there because your audience, you know, we don't, we don't have like millions of followers. So we can, if we make a mistake, but it's okay. Not a lot of people saw it, (laughs) but, but yeah, I think just like, um, and I don't think that's going to last for a long time. I think a few years from now, sort of the players will have Mm -hmm. been established. So, you know, like right now, I feel like one of the biggest, one of the most frequently asked questions, at least like in my immediate areas, like, where do you get like cute weed accessories? Like, where can you go get this bong? And 
there isn't like a go-to place or two, you know, the same can't be said. It's like, Oh, where, like, where can I buy the best, like denim shirt right now? I, you know, somebody can answer like seven brands. These are the hottest brands right now. The same can't be said for weed. Um, you know, so a few years from now, I think people will be like, Oh, where can I go get a cute bong? It's like, Oh, you have this, 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 and this. And like, hopefully knock on wood, Para will be one of them. So I think there's like that excitement of, you know, still being bootstrapping and like, you know, trying to grow the business alongside your vendors. And then there's also the possibility of be like, oh, I can be like one of the like one of the big one of the big players out in, in the industry. And, you know, not just from like a financial perspective, like money is fantastic, of course. And that just means I don't have to go back to corporate America, thank God. But then there's also like the community building and the community outreach that that I want to keep doing. And mm-hmm. and yeah, so that's something definitely very exciting. No, I love it. Like by taking initiative, you're becoming a part of history. Like you're helping form. That's exactly, I wanted to say that, but I didn't want to sound so dramatic, but I kind of feel that way. And especially, <laughs> especially as a female entrepreneur, like you're, you're, you're creating a space. And I'm sure I'm, yeah. hoping, I'm hoping that others listening, other female entrepreneurs out there are motivated and inspired by your Yes, story. girls, get out yeah. there. We need more. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and I'm proud to say that I do work with a lot of other um, female entrepreneurs. Like, I wouldn't say, you know, it's, it's female dominated for sure, but there's definitely like a feminine force out there. Um, you know, girls like to shop. So there is definitely mm-hmm. a power in that. It just like from a business perspective alone like to shop yeah that's true but then also like they're very picky shoppers and you know mm-hmm. working in fashion we have to study the psychology of like every shopper so i feel like you know i'm like well versed on the subject but you know girls are much more meticulous when they shop so they do research and um you know and compare deals and compare like materials and stuff so they're so there's definitely um you know, like more of a curated eye set out there. And I'm, I'm very happy to discover like so many other like female led brands out there. But yeah, like, you're right, we can never have enough. So yeah, and that's also all the girls out there. Yeah, it's also what's beautiful about the space, because it is forming, which means that there's real bonds being formed along the way. Absolutely. Those relationships. Can you speak about that a little bit? Yeah, so that's actually something that I noticed right off the bat. Um, There is a genuine, there's a lot of support and compassion and like collaboration as opposed to competitiveness that I felt in the cannabis industry. And yes, I was, I am comparing it to fashion because that's all I know. But I definitely noticed that um, people are much more open with their, you know, business tactics, with their marketing strategies, everybody at no point did I have someone like not disclose any sort of information that would help me because they want to just hold on to that secret. So when I was launching para, like I had questions about like banking, every single one of my vendors that I asked were very happy to share. Um, I reached out to, you know, like different like individuals, like online. I was like, can I ask your opinion about something, you know, and absolutely like I have never been met with a no or um, like, you know, I don't have time for you or no, you're technically a competitor. So I can't teach. I can't like help you do this. And 
I have never seen that like in fashion. And I think a big part of it is because the space is so huge and there is room for a lot of people right now. And Mm -hmm. it's much more of a collaborative than competitive spirit. And I love it. Yeah. And so do I, and it's much more community based and I, yeah, I love it. And I've had, you know, so many people like, you know, give me shout outs and like pump me up and it's, you know, and it that it's not necessarily like in their best interest, but they do that because, mm-hmm. you know, they can feel the pain that, you know, they had yeah. once experienced. It's yeah. It's more community driven. Like that's the for sure. People competing and people working together. Absolutely. And like one of the biggest examples, like honestly just happened this week. So I'm in the process of, you know, designing the first, um, you know, pair of private label item. And I just wanted to run it by, by a studio that like, I know, um, like a design studio that is very, very well respected in the cannabis space. So I just, I just wanted to have their opinion as like what they think of it. I would love their feedback. And Mm -hmm. I I was, I of course happy, like offered to pay for a consultation because I sort of just assumed that everybody wants to get paid for everything. And I was so not so surprised though they were like oh we will just tell you what we think like right now on the spot like you don't need whereas like with lawyers it could be like oh if you need 30 minutes of my time that'll be exactly so that's why there's and i was like are you sure you don't want me to pay you with anything they're like no no no, not at all like we we're happy to see like another woman entrepreneur like come out with this product because Mm -hmm. we're gonna use it and let us know what it's out and we'll give you a shout out and i was like "Are, are you serious and they're like yeah of course and you know, and one time I point blank asked a CEO, like another female CEO, and she was helping me like manufacture something. And I point blank asked her, I was like, why are you like helping like <laughs> me? Like, because technically, like we, we are. What do, you, what do you want? What are you looking for? Because, uh, yeah, I was like, I was like, I, I know we've worked because she was one of my vendors, but she also started a design studio. And I, and I, I point blank asked her, I was like, uh, I like why and it was the answer was just that and I was like well the market is so young and there is space for both of us to play and she was like and if you're on the up I would rather be with you than against you so let's do this so I how it should be and exactly isn't that so lovely exactly so I feel like I'm living this you know this like dream of course there's so much hard work and like late nights and all that Mm -hmm. You know, all that not so fun stuff with business. But when it comes to community, it's definitely inspiring and motivational and and understanding and like sympathetic. And with cannabis comes a lot of like mental health awareness. So I've definitely used the excuse like, sorry, I can't get back to your I can't get back to your emails this week. I'm having like a mental week. Never once have I been met with like anything other than support. I'm just imagining if I was in fashion, if I ever to send that email, I'd be like, you're fired. <laughs> like I would, that would not be taken like seriously. They'd be like, you're joking. We'll see you in 20 minutes. So that's like not the case here at all. It's much more empathetic. And, and I like that. I love yeah, it. I love it's much it. more it's human. The community. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so how, how can, tell me, how can companies connect with you and look more at your work? So our website is shop-para.com. So that's honestly where I get um, most of my traffic. That's how a lot of people just like stumble upon the brand. Um, We also have a strong presence on Instagram at parashop.ig. We're also on TikTok at Parashop. But to be honest, TikTok is, like I said earlier, they're super strict. So um, I would say Instagram is our biggest social media focus right now. Um, so yeah, if you DM or email or anything, chances are it's me responding to you. So 
yeah, send me any or all your questions and I'm happy to answer. And if you ever need some sweet paraphernalia, you can go to para. Straight up. I love it. <laughs> so, I mean, moral of the story is don't hesitate, especially, you know, if you're a female entrepreneur in the space, um, you know, we encourage you to pursue the industry and to pursue your dreams in the space because there is a really great community. Uh, Mariam is one of them. So absolutely and if you have any questions just about like business or you just want to have a smoke sesh or if you just want to come hang out at the Paris showroom in brooklyn like for sure hit me up let's go let's go <laughs> brooklyn i'm gonna take you up on that please do <laughs> so you can download episodes of design this beyond the dial line look for all of our episodes by going to cannabisradio.com or subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts, amazon spotify and iHeartRadio. Until next time, always think beyond the die line. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.